0: Our call to worship this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, where Matthew writes this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Amen. That says God's holy word.
1: With one voice, let us together now return praise to God as we join in singing hymn number 393. Come ye sinners, poor and wretched. 393. If you're able, please stand to sing. If you will please remain standing and turn back to hymn number 186, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. 186. Please be seated.
0: And now let us come to our great God in prayer. Let us all pray. Our loving, eternal, heavenly Father, we commend to your holy presence on this, your day. This one day and seven that you have blessed us as your people to come and to worship and to praise you in this, your house. And, O Lord, as we do so, we think of you, our great God. And even as we've sung, indeed, O Lord, we're reminded of your goodness towards us. We're reminded of that mercy that has been poured upon us as your people. O Lord, we are reminded of you, indeed, as that benevolent God, that God who gives us even more than what we need. You indeed are. A righteous and a good God. You're a God who is slow to anger. And, O oh Lord, you're a God who indeed is eternal, a God who is unchanging, a God whose steadfast love never wavers for those of us who are your children. And yet, O oh Lord, in the days that we live in, you are treated nothing more than this, person in the sky who we only call on to when we need to. And, O Lord, your scripture reminds us that indeed you are a just and a holy God, a God who is indeed three times holy, holy, holy. And, O Lord, a God who each and every one of us here this morning will give an account to on that final day. For the lives that we have lived. For the many things that we have done that have transgressed you. And O oh Lord this morning we come and we confess them before you our great God. Lord you know us. You know us even better than we know ourselves. You know, Lord, that at times we can be prideful. In fact, a lot of the times we can be prideful. Lord, even as we've just sung, when we think on the cross, when we think of what Christ has done for us, humble us to our very knees. Remind us that we are of the dust, Remind us, O Lord, that we are to be a humble and a contrite people in these days. O Lord, even especially for us men, help us, O Lord, with the the sin of pride. Lord, we do not know everything, and at times we act like we do. At times we think we are above everything and everyone. O Lord, remind us that without you we are nothing. Lord, forgive us even at times when we have outbursts of anger towards others, when we speak harshly to one another, at times when the thoughts and intents of our hearts spew from our mouths, O Lord, forgive us. Lord, in these days, in these days when there are many clamoring voices, when there is much toing and froing, remind us as believers to guard our tongues. Lord, even further than that, guard our fingers for what we type and what we text to others. Lord, in these days, help us as believers to show love to one another and to those who are outside of your kingdom. Lord, forgive us when we have not. Forgive us when we've spoken in the wrong tone and and said the wrong thing. Lord, give us courage in these days to ask others for forgiveness. Even as we've prayed, humble us, O Lord. Lord, we think of many other sins that we commit each and every day. And yet as believers, we indeed are clothed in Christ's righteousness. But, O Lord, help us, enable us in these days to deal with our sins aright. Not to merely utter a few words in prayer of confession, but, O Lord, as it were, to weep over our very sins because we transgress against you Lord, in these days, show us our sins. Enable us and equip us to not merely cut them off at surface level, O oh Lord, but to get down and dirty with our hands and to pull them out by the root. Lord, we ask that we indeed would be salt and light where you've placed us. Help our light not to be dim. Help our saltiness not to be there, O Lord, because of indwelling sin amongst us. For those darling sins, O Lord, we ask that you would forgive us. And your word assures us of that pardon, and you tell us that as far as the east is from the west, O Lord, you remove our transgressions. O Lord, we come and we give you thanks for the many things that you bless us with. Even this morning our call to worship the hymns that we've sung, even the readings that we will progress through our service and our message this morning showing us Christ. Oh Lord, this morning we are in in awe and in adoration of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. Lord, remind us in these days even as we thought and our all-age Sunday school, of our personal baptism, of the Lord's table. These symbols given to us to remind us of what Christ has done on our behalf. And, O Lord, in these days, make us a thankful people. Make us fall on our knees and rejoice because of Christ. And, O Lord, because of him, there are many churches throughout our world, even this day, who are gathering or who have gathered. Lord, even this morning, we we were reminded again of Sam and TK, these dear brothers who were amongst us last week and the work that they are involved in. Lord, we pray that you would continue to bless these brothers. Even give them good health and strength as they travel around and, and, as it were, speak to other churches for help. We pray that many would see that need of the work continuing on there in that vast land. Lord, we pray even for the little church in Macrofelt, small, smaller than this, and yet faithfully progressing, O Lord, how it gives us confidence that indeed your word is true when it tells us that the gates of hell shall not prevail against her. That your church is continuing. That your church is meeting faithfully that there are other other believers throughout all of this world who love you. And, O Lord, remind us of these things in these days. Even at times when perhaps we think we are small in number, remind us, O Lord, that it's not just us, but it is your universal church. And, O Lord, to that regard, we pray for the local bodies around us, We pray for the Brethren at Gold Country, for the Brethren at Emmanuel, for Stockton, for Linden, for in Minden, for uh, even the church in Phoenix, O Lord. We pray for these these churches who proclaim your word, O Lord. We ask for those who shepherd and guard that you would give them courage in these days. Help them, O Lord, to protect the flock. Help them to equip their people through your word. And O Lord, as we live our lives, that we would do so unto you and to your kingdom. Lord, we pray for the many visitors that you're blessing us with in these days, even in our own congregation. We thank you for them. Even this morning, we ask, oh Lord, that you would even draw more in. Lord, even in due time, some may even come and join us. Lord, we pray for our church here. We thank you for her. We thank you for every member and every person that's even present here this morning and how it thrills our hearts to be amongst God's people on this, your day, to worship and praise. Lord, we ask that as members that indeed we would keep short accounts with one another, that we would love one another just as you have loved us. We would equip and help one another in these days. Lord, we even pray for more shepherds to to look after the flock here. We pray that more elders would be raised up, that more deacons would be raised up, either amongst us or coming in. Oh, Lord, we pray that this church would continue to be united and flourish in these days. And as we do so, may your word be central to all that is said and all that is done. Lord, we pray specifically now for... Some of our folk, we do pray for our pastor, Jeff, and his wife, Jane, on vacation. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would be with them, even as they drive around, give them safety. Encourage our hearts this day as they gather with the saints in Southern California, that as they sit under the word, that their hearts would be encouraged and, and built up in the faith. Lord, we pray for the many meetings that have taken place, and will this coming week, that you would give Jeff much wisdom and help. We pray, O Lord, for that last leg of their journey that you would take them safe to Phoenix and that even this week, O Lord, you would give our brother time in your word as he prepares and brings forth that message next Lord's Day. We think even of those who are traveling at this time, those who are serving us and serving our country, we ask that you would be near to them, O Lord. Encourage their hearts far from us and oh, how, O Lord, we miss them but we ask that you would meet them at the point of their need. We ask, O oh Lord, that their time in the word and in prayer would be that refreshing for them. Even, may they even have the ability to tune in and watch and listen to the things here. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would keep them safe. And for even loved ones who are here, we ask that you would continue to look after them, help them in these days. And may it be that you would be their strength and their portion. We pray even for those in our congregation with health issues, those who are sick and unable even to be here this morning. We ask, O Lord, that you would meet them at the point of their need. O Lord, you would encourage their hearts. Some who have been sick for many years. Some even who are sick and in silence and and persevere on. We ask, O Lord, that you would equip them and help them in these days. Lord, we thank you for this, your day. We thank you that you have brought us here to worship and praise you. And we ask, O Lord, that you would send forth your spirit to meet amongst us, to encourage our hearts, that as we sing and as we read and have your word proclaimed, that it, O Lord, would be that tonic to our soul, that it would be that filling up, as it were, of our bucket one more time, that even as we leave here, We would go rejoicing, knowing knowing indeed that you are our God and that we indeed are your people. These things we ask in and through Christ's precious name. Amen. Please turn in your Bibles to our consecutive reading this morning in the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 14, and we're going to be reading together the Passover, what we looked at even in all eight Sunday school, that institution of the Lord's Supper, and then Jesus telling those harsh words to Peter that indeed he would deny him. So as we come to read together, let us stand as we do so, and let us hear the words of the Almighty God. Mark chapter 14, beginning at verse 12. And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him, and wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, And as they were reclining at table and eating Jesus said Truly I say to you one of you will betray me one who is eating with me They began to be sorrowful and say to him one after another Is it I He said to them It is one of the 12 one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to them and said, Take This is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank of it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. Amen. This says God's holy word, please. Be seated. Before we come to open up our passage this morning, let us come to our great God again in prayer. Let's pray. Our loving, eternal Heavenly Father, we come into your holy presence again and we come in our time of need. We ask, O Lord, that indeed you would meet with us. We ask, O Lord, as we read your word, as we expound it, that you, O Lord, would receive all the glory. Truly, there is none like you. We ask, O Lord, this day that eyes and ears would be opened up to see our great Saviour. Lord, even as we look out and we see many heads bowed and many people here, Lord, we ask that each would know you as Lord and Saviour. We pray, O Lord, that you would meet us at the point of our need. That you would be with both preacher and hearer alike. May it be that I would decrease. And oh Lord, may it be that you would increase. That people would marvel and glory in who you are. And what you have done. Lord, we ask all these things in and through Christ's precious name. Amen. Please turn in your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Mark again. The Gospel of Mark. This is part one of a two parter. Part one this morning will be upon Jairus and his daughter. Next week, if the Lord spout, spares us, it will be in that lady who had the issue of blood. But to get the context of all, let us read together Mark chapter 5, beginning at verse 21. Mark chapter 5, and verse 21 again. Give careful attention, this says the word of God. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come, lay your hands on her, so that she may be well. And live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for twelve years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If I touch even his garment, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was, taking her by the hand and said to her, Talatha Kumai, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately, the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this, and told them to give her something to eat. Amen. This is God's holy word. Jesus. What a friend for sinners. Jesus, lover of my soul. Friends may feel me, foes assail me. He, my savior, makes me whole. Hallelujah. What a savior. Hallelujah. What a friend. Saving, helping, keeping, loving. He is with me to the end. Mark 5 provides what could be and is called the case of the incurables. However, we've seen a few weeks ago and we've seen and read this morning and next Lord's Day we will see that when Jesus shows up on the scene, everything changes. Jesus is Lord over the demons. Jesus is Lord over disease. And Jesus is Lord even over death. Our Lord Jesus Christ indeed is the man's savior, that one who we saw a few weeks ago. He is that savior to that woman who we will see next Lord's Day. And this morning, he is that savior to Jairus and to his daughter. Every one of us has been impacted by tragedy to some degree, whether it be illness Whether it be infirmity, whether it be death, or many of the thousand things that can touch us as humans, we have all experienced pain. Whether it's that of a broken heart, whether it's that of a broken body, whether it's that of a broken spirit, tragedy has touched us all. Whether that pain is physical in nature or spiritual, we have all been affected. And yet at times we're surprised. But Jesus said it would be this very way in John 16. Even back in the Old Testament, in the book of Job, Job comments in Job 14.1 that man is short of days, but yet full of much trouble. This morning, I want you to remember, even if you get nothing else out of this, I want you to remember that when tragedy, trials or circumstances come across your way, Jesus, Jesus is more than adequate to take care of that situation or indeed any situation. John 16 verse 33 says this, I have said these things to you that you may have peace. And many of us We close our Bibles. But the rest of that verse is of vital importance to us. Where it says, in the world, where you live, terra firma right now, you will have tribulation. There's not a period there and it ends. It carries on. But, but take heart I, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, have overcome the world. Jesus. The Lord Jesus Christ is more than adequate to take care of any situation. What we've just read in Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through to the end, is a sad story. And yet, it's not a story. Jairus was a real person. Jarius' daughter was a real person. The woman with the issue of blood actually lived on the world that we do. And in the passage that we've read, we're confronted with a father. With a man who is experiencing tragedy. You see, that day, in Mark 5, whatever the date would be, that day, death showed up. And it showed up at the house of Jarius, and it had come for his daughter. His heart is broken. And in the midst of his tragedy, in the midst of his trial, in the midst of his sickness of his daughter, where does he turn? To Christ. Jairus found out that day that Jesus is more than enough for the times of our tragedy. He indeed is that friend saving, helping, keeping, loving with me to the very end. This morning I want us to look at the events of this passage and I want us to look closely at this tragic, tearful scene. Remember, these are real people. put yourself in Jarius's situation and then remind yourself remind yourself of why you're here Christ This morning we're going to open up this passage under three headings We're going to do so under a pitiful dialogue a painful delay and a powerful deliverance. That's a pitiful dialogue, painful delay, and powerful deliverance. We are told that Jarius is a ruler of the synagogue. When we've been going through Psalm 119, I've urged you to slow down and to think upon the words that you read. And we can very quickly read over just who this man was. This is a man of prominence. This is a man of position, of a man of prestige, a man of privilege, a man of prosperity, and a man of power in his community. Charius, we could say, is a man who had it all. But at this time, when we plunge in there at verse 21 and into verse 22 and then 23. It mattered nothing. You see, when Jarius spoke, people listened. When he walked into a room, everyone stood up in recognition. But now here he finds himself in a place where none of this matters anymore. Sickness. And death could care less about who this man is and what positions or what, what money he had or what position that he held. Here is a man who we could say is religious. I call these the bunny ears. He's religious. But yet his religion is powerless to help him in this situation. I guarantee you that Jarius would have traded everything that he had to change that situation. You see, life became very defined for Jarius in those moments. He had everything, or so he thought, but in reality, what he had in the world meant absolutely nothing. You see, death had come to his house, and it had come for his real treasure. Verse 23 tells us his little daughter, his 12-year-old daughter, the one who Luke calls his only daughter. His only daughter was dying, and she was his real treasure. You see, some have spent their entire lives amassing power, wealth, position, position. But when tragedy comes, those things mean absolutely nothing. When death comes knocking at your door, you can't hand it your credit card and say, cash me out for a few more years. Death doesn't care if you're a millionaire, a billionaire, or whoever. Those people and those celebrities that many people cling on to, when death comes to them, death will come. doesn't matter how many Tesla's Elon Musk sells, or the new Jeep that he's coming with or the amount of batteries he gives people. When the Lord calls him to give an account and death comes across his path, money will not matter. Sickness and sorrow don't care if you've got power, if you've got prestige, if you've got position in your community. Sorrow and suffering don't care about how popular you are. Hell could care less about who you are and all the many things that you have done in this world. When tragedy and death come calling, you, and I'm looking at you this morning, had better know, had better know one greater than yourself. This morning, do you know where to get that help? Jarius is our example this morning. Somewhere, and sometime, Jarius had heard about Jesus. You hear about him every week. You see, the name Jarius means he whom God enlightens. Somehow God had opened the eyes of this Jewish official and he had saw that Jesus was his only hope. And now at the very moment of his daughter dying, Jesus just happens to be passing by. What a coincidence. Not at all. It was the divine plan of God that allowed the paths of Jarius and our Lord Jesus Christ to cross that very day. This morning, he's beholding, he's in front of you too. What will you do with him? That little plastic card in your hip pocket means nothing. Just because you're sitting there and you've got your Bible open and you look the part, just because your parents are at the end of the road, just because your grandparents are around you, that does not get you to heaven. And Jarius knew this. He knew that these things meant nothing. Why? Because he comes to the only one who could help him. See how he comes. See how this man of position and power come before Jesus Christ. He came reverently, he came prayerfully, and he came passionately. The Bible tells us that he fell at his feet. That word fell means to descend from a high place to a low place. In other words, this big man humbled himself enough In the presence of God. And he came from his lofty perch. And he humbled himself. And he fell before the Lord Jesus Christ. That is why this morning. We sung the hymn that we did. That when we are prideful. That we would think upon the cross and what Christ has done for us. That is why we should daily ask the Lord to help us with the sin of pride. Because many, many people are so prideful and they, they never get anywhere because they do not humble themselves before a holy God. Turn in your Bibles to James chapter 4. Verse 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore it says. God opposes the proud, But gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands you sinners. And purify your hearts you double minded. Be wretched. And mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Brothers and sisters, are we a humble people? Are we humbling ourselves before the Lord? First Peter says this, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This morning, where do you stand before a holy God? when we come to that place where we see our own inability and his ability, then we are in a position to receive what we need from him. Pride is a horrible sin. And I'm not going to stand here and say that I'm prideless and I'm such a humble big guy because I am not. Pray for your pastor. Pray for your pastors. Pray for one another, even in this simple regard. Because the days that we live in, when we look around, all we see is pride to the hilt. People thinking they're better than everyone else. Believer, humble yourself before a holy God. See your place before Him. And where is it? It's in the dirt. It's on your knees, it's on your belly, it's as low as you can possibly get before a holy God. We are nothing. We are nothing but the dust of the ground, and yet God has chosen us. And he has saved us, and he has clothed us in Christ's righteousness. And yet at times we can become so puffed up and think we are it. The Bible tells us, take heed lest you fall. Brothers, can I encourage you to speak with one another on these things? Sisters, do the same. You young converts, be wary of these things. See your own inability and his ability. That is where we need to be. You see, when this man comes to Jesus and he falls down before him and he makes this petition to the Lord where he's saying, I cannot do this thing, but I believe you can. Friend, that is the place where we need to get in our life. Whether it's you sitting there this morning and you know nothing of Christ, you cannot save yourself just because you put some money in that collection box just because you come through the door, just because you sit there and perhaps you you mutter the hymns and you open your Bible and you give perhaps some attention, those things do not save your soul because there are things that you do. You need the saving work of Christ in your life. And this morning I urge you, come to him. Come to the one and cry out, I cannot do this, but you can. Like that jailer, Lord, what must I do to be saved? Perhaps you're sitting there this morning and you're thinking of a loved one. That one perhaps who even sat in these very seats. A loved one who you know has had that word read over them. Whether it be in family worship or whether it be in church. And yet right now they have no time for God. Again cry out, I cannot save them, but I believe, O Lord, that you can. In a time of tragedy, in a time of hardship, in a time of, of walking through that deep valley of life, we've got to reach the place where we know that God can. Lord, I can't fight these battles, but you can. I can't win the victories. I need you in my life. We need to come to that place of absolute surrender. We need to come to the feet humbly and cry on to God and say, I can't, Lord, but you can't. This morning I ask you, individually as you sit there, not as a family, not as husband and wife, not as children, but individually, what are you struggling with? What are you struggling with this morning? Then get to the place get to the feet of Christ and say I can't Lord but you can humble yourself before God secondly a painful delay this is where I want you to have sanctified imagination you're a father many of you are here this morning if you're not and your imagination has to play a little bit more but think of yourself as a father and your daughter your only daughter is dying when jarius shares that story with jesus he receives that sympathetic ear look at verse 24 when he had told everything that had come upon and he went with him. Jesus is interested and indeed he is on his way to Jarius and to his house. Darius had fallen at his feet. He had told him what was happening and Jesus was ready to go. Believer, that's you this morning too. When you bring your need to Christ... He's already on his way to your situation. When you have a need, Christ cares for you more than you even realize. You see, the devil will sit on our shoulder and he will whisper in our ear God doesn't care about you. Where is he? Saint, nothing. Nothing could be farther from the truth. 1 Peter 5, 7. Take these down if you're taking notes and read them later. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Hebrews four fifteen through 16. Luke twelve six through 7. And then turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25. These are the words of Christ to you this morning. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look, at the birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to a span of life? And why, be, why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Skipping down to verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What are you worried about? This week when I read that, It was like God took a two-by-four and walloped me right between the eyes. Merv, why are you anxious? Why are you worrying? Why are you listening to what the devil is saying on your shoulder that God doesn't care for you? God does. His word tells us these things very clearly. See back to our back to what we're learning this morning. Remember, picture yourself the man and his daughter is dying and Jesus is on his way. And they're stopped. They're stopped. Verse 25 must be one of the longest passages and segments of life that this man had to face. No doubt Jarius is, is gripped and as his were, he's like, he's like pushing the way so that the men could get through. Because, read what it says a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. Mark makes no mistakes when he writes these things because he wants us to think upon Jarius. This man wants the master to hurry. He's fell on his feet, he's fell at Christ's feet. He's told him, Christ has said, We're coming, and now they're stopping. None of the gospel writers ever record anything that Jarius said during this delaying time. This is also one of the men I want to meet in heaven and ask him, what were you thinking? What was going on in your mind? We don't read of him impatiently pulling on the robes of Jesus to hurry him. Why? Because the lady touched him and Christ knew that someone had touched him. He doesn't interrupt the dialogue with this woman and say, would you get out of the road? My problem's more than yours. He merely waits. He merely waits until Jesus is free. And this is a response of faith, is it not? Here is a man who knows that no matter what he does or what he says, he cannot solve the problem. He's brought that problem and he's placed it in the hands of Christ and he's left it there. Brothers and sisters, that is a lesson for you and me this morning. Regardless of that issue, whether it be the salvation of a lost one, whether it be the pain and the heartache that we suffer, we need to bring it to him, we need to leave it with him and we need to see what God will do with these things. In the days that we live in, we are the most impatient people of all times. How do I know? I even Googled up, could I quicken my internet yesterday? We live in an age when things need to be instant. Here is a prime example of Christ teaching patience. My mom used to be told this rhyme by a young lad in our Sunday school class that used to drive her up the walls where it said, patience is a virtue, possess it if you can. We live in a day when we are so impatient. We live in a day when if things aren't done when we want it, we're all bent out of shape. We need to get to the place where we bring it to Christ. We leave it with Christ and we see what he will do with it. Because during this time of him being patient there's men that come along and they give those tragic words. Your daughter's no longer sick. She's dead. Father, think how you would feel at that very moment. Surely his world must have fallen apart around him. All of his dreams and his hopes were in an instant shattered. Remember, it was his little daughter. His was like his prized possession. Perhaps he said in his heart, if it hadn't have been for the crowd, if it hadn't have been for the woman, if Jesus hadn't have stopped, my daughter would be alive. This man could not understand the reasons for this tragedy. How many times has a similar word come to our, our, our hearts? Dead. There's no more hope. We look back at the times that we prayed about a matter and we wondered why the Lord tarried and he allowed it to happen. Perhaps the death of a loved one who we know is not in heaven. And we wonder why. You're not the first person to ask these questions. In fact, Mary and Martha questioned the very same thing in the, in the time of our Lord and the death of Lazarus. Why did you delay? The disciples who were in that boat that night when it was rocking and reeling, and not the time that he was in the back sleeping, but the time that he came walking, But they didn't know that our Lord's delay is a part of his eternal plan. And that is where we can have hope this morning. You see, in the end, Mary and Martha saw Jesus raise their brother from the dead. The disciples saw him walk on the water, and neither of these things would have been experienced had he not delayed his coming to them. The Bible tells us that perhaps he tarries because he loves us. Look at John 11. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. And we wonder why? Why, Lord? When it seems that God is moving slowly. Do not give up hope. While God is seldom early, he is absolutely never, ever late. God moves in his perfect time. He always shows up at the right time. Why? Because he's perfect and his time is perfect. And yet that is where we fall short when we're so impatient. And we cry unto God for a lost sinner, and, and maybe they're never saved. God didn't have to save any of us, and yet He did. This morning, I urge us, as believers, have hope in our God. His timing is always perfect. We need to have patience. And so thirdly and quickly this morning, a powerful deliverance. Tragedy has now turned itself into something that's impossible, we may think. This little girl is dead. Even at that tragic moment, it's interesting how faith reacts. Jarius has placed his faith in Jesus, and even in the face of death, His faith doesn't waver. Look at what he says there. In verse 35, While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house someone who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? At that point, Jairus could have said, You know what? She's dead. Forget about it. But look what it says But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, he said to Jairus, he said to the father of this little girl, do not fear, only believe. Only believe. Don't believe what you hear. Don't believe what you know. Don't believe what you see. I'm asking you, trust me. And that is what faith says to us today. Every indicator may say it's hopeless, but faith looks to a God who is greater to anything we can hear, anything we know, or anything that we see. Bring your needs to Christ this morning. Trust your need to Christ and leave your need with him. Leave it in his hands by faith. God may not work it out the way you want to. We need to be content. We need to be patient and let God do his thing. Whether it's your own salvation this morning, you know how you stand before God. You can pull the wool over my eyes. You can pull the wool over anybody's eyes. But you will not do it to God. God. How do you stand before God this morning? Your own salvation, the salvation of another, a problem you have. Get it into the hands of Christ and leave it there. Look what Jesus did. Those who didn't believe, what did he do? Get out. Leave. You don't believe. Those who lacked faith in him were excluded from seeing him move and work in his power. Faith believes the incredible, sees the invisible, and receives the impossible. When Jesus entered the room where that dead girl was lying, he took her by the hand and he told her to rise from the dead. And I love how Mark always puts it. And immediately. It's as if it's just right away, which it is. When Christ said, Arise, get up, stop from sleeping or death, she was alive. How do we know that? She got up, she walked around, and then look at the very end of verse 43 something that's so crucial to cement everything that's happening. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this, and he told them what? Give her something to eat. She was alive. And those who were in the room who saw these things, they were were astonished. The New King James says they were astonished with a great astonishment. If you can get so many astonishments into one sentence. When you take it back and you read it, the actual representation is to throw out of position, to be out of one's mind. Literally, when they saw Jesus do what he did, it blew their minds and it left them with their very chins hanging on their chest with amazement. Astonished with a great astonishment. But sinner, this morning he's waiting to do the very same thing for you. Some of you need to come to Christ this morning and be cleansed from your sins. You need to be saved. Perhaps you're sitting there, and you're thinking, well, I'm the worst of the worst. No, you're not. Remember what we said at the very start. When tragedy comes your way, when salvation is what you need, Jesus is more than adequate to take care of the situation. He will and he can. Some of you need to bring a lost spouse. Some of you need to bring a lost child. Some of you need to bring someone else that's in your family to Christ today. I urge you, do it. Put them in his hands. Leave them to him. And see what God will do. Perhaps some this morning need to bring a situation that's bringing you fear or worry. Bring it to Christ. Perhaps your health's not what it should be. Perhaps your job's not what it should be. Fill in the blank, whatever it might be. Bring it to Christ. Bring it to him and have him deal with it as he will. This morning, I don't know what you need. But God does. This morning, why not get that peace and that comfort and that help today? Why be anxious for another day? In 1871, tragedy shuck, struck that great city of Chicago, Many if you will know, a great fire ravaged that city. The fire had taken over 300 lives that lived there and had left some 100,000 100, homeless, And in the midst of that city, there was a man by the name of Horatio Gates Spafford. He was one who tried to help the people get back on their feet. Spafford was a Chicago lawyer, and he had heavily, with a lot of his money, invested into into that downtown area. And one night, he lost everything. But more tragically, Spafford had also lost the loss of his son just a year earlier. And yet for two more years, 1872 and 1873, Spafford stayed on and helped. He assisted the homeless. He assisted those who were grief-stricken. Those who were ruined by the fire. And after two long years, him and his wife and his children decided to take a vacation. It was a working vacation. They were going to go to that great land of England. Sadly, not Northern Ireland, but England. They were going to join up in those evangelistic crusades, and they were going to begin in England and then go through Europe, telling others of Christ. Spafford sadly was delayed by some business, but he sent some of his family on ahead. He would catch up with them on the other side of the Atlantic. His wife and his children were on that ship, the Vale de Herve, but they never made it. Off Newfoundland, it collided with an English sailing ship, the Loch and it sank within 20 minutes. Though Horatio's wife Anna was able to cling to that piece of floating wreckage, there were only 47 survivors among hundreds. Their four daughters, Maggie, Tanata, Annie, and Bessie, were all killed. Horatio, just like Jarius this morning, Received that horrible news where his wife said two words, saved alone. Spafford boarded the very next ship that was available to be near his grieving wife. And as they were going across the sea, the captain of that ship pulled him up to the headquarters. And he said, Dear man, this is where it happened. At that moment, Spafford got out a pen and a piece of paper. And he penned these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever. Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ, that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, O the bliss of this glorious thought, My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. And Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll, the trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. Christ is our answer. Christ is our hope. Christ is the one who this morning, even though this world may bring many things across our path, that we can cry out, it is well with my soul. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we thank you even for what we've learned from Jarius, from his daughter, but more importantly, what we've learned upon you. Lord, we see that no matter what situation comes across our path, that you are able and adequate to help us no matter what it might be. We ask, O Lord, in these days that indeed you would humble us and that you would help us. That you would show us just who we are. But that we would see just who you are. Lord, we think of the many trials and tribulations that many even before us this morning are facing. We cry, O oh Lord, that Christ indeed would be the one that they could sing that indeed it is well with my soul. Lord, help us upon this Christian road. At times difficult, at times hard, and yet we know that we do not walk it alone. Lord, encourage us this day. Oh, Lord, we bring those before you who know you not. We ask, O oh Lord, that you today would show mercy. Even for some who have sat for years in this place. Those who have sat and listened and yet have spurned the call of the gospel. We ask, O Lord, that today would be that day. That you, O Lord, would give that peace that surpasses all understanding. That you would give them that new heart. And that we, O Lord, would be astounded and greatly astounded at your mercies shown to a lost sinner. Lord, we even thank you for the many temporal blessings you, you give us. Even this morning we can smell that wonderful food as it comes up those stairs and we ask that as we would go down there and fellowship one way or another that you would bless that food to our bodies. That you would make us thankful for the many provisions you give us. And that even as we eat and as we talk that we would glorify you in all that is said and done. Lord encourage our hearts for we ask it in and through your son's precious name. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing together that hymn 580. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, they hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Let us stand and sing to God's praise. amen people of god receive the lord's blessing from his holy word the grace of the lord jesus christ and the love of god and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with you all amen go on the lord's mercy and grace